Hey guys, welcome back to the Tokes Talks podcast, a podcast where we discuss topics surrounding business, relationships, and personal development. Happy Wednesday, happy hump day. I hope you guys are having an amazing week so far. This past week, I learned that you need to surrender if you want control. And it sounds like an oxymoron, counterintuitive. It sounds ridiculous. And trust me, trust me, trust me, I was on that page as well until I realized that holding on and trying to control things that are truly outside of your control are, one, a waste of time, and two, deferring your, your energy and resources from the things that you can actually control which are, for the most part, just the things you can do, <laughs> which kind of sucks, right? Because wouldn't it be lovely to be able to convince somebody that what you think is best is what's actually best for them and get them to change their mind? Wouldn't it be nice to be able to convince your manager that you need a raise and get that raise? Wouldn't it be nice to meet the person who you think is the love of your life and convince them that you are the love of their life as well. Wouldn't it be nice to apply to a job, to school, to anywhere and be able to force control and ensure that you would get the outcome you wanted by convincing those people that you would be a benefit to them the way they'd be a benefit to you. But we live in the real world. We're not witches and wizards. I hope at least we're not witches and wizards. So we do not have this power over people and to try and force things to happen the way they're not meant to or at a time they're not meant to or with ability that actually doesn't belong to you and that is above your pay grade is just a waste of time. And not only does it waste your time, but it also causes you stress because you're trying to control things that are really not in your ability and that constant failure of not being able to control it just has you feeling down and sad and that's not fun. It's not productive. It's not cute. So (laughs) I really been reading a lot and seeing that one of the topics that seems to be coming up is that of surrender and just understanding that surrendering does not mean giving up. It just means relinquishing the things that do not belong to you and relinquishing the power that doesn't belong to you and leaving it in the hands of those well-equipped to handle it. Be that God be that the other person and their common sense and their faculties that should hopefully bring them around to the conclusion you have. And it just kind of puts us in a place of having faith in ourselves, having faith in God, having faith in other people and having peace. And you guys know I am here for peace, peace of mind and peace in every single way it's served. I want it on my plate and in my life. So that's what I've been really working on this week. And it takes a lot for somebody like me, and I'm sure many of you as well, who see situations and want to do your part and understanding where the line is and what's your part and what isn't is a difficult task, but trust me, so much peace and opportunities come afterwards. Now that I'm trying to surrender, I'm looking at the places in my life that I have been trying to hold on to and control and manipulate and backing up from all of those situations has put me in such a peaceful place and has put me in such a free and liberating place where I just do what I need to do, trust that that's enough and 
let the rest of the chips fall where they may because they were going to fall there anyways. And there's no point of me trying to slide and catch things that I'll never catch. But I hope you guys had some time to meditate on the words to live by for last week, which were I shouldn't expect more than I am willing to put out. Simply put, don't be greedy. Don't be inconsiderate. Don't be a brat. (laughs) We are out here putting out 10% and expecting 110 plus a McDonald's coupon on the side. Friends, that's not how it works. Let's not expect more from people than we would be willing to do and not hold people to such high standards that we know are even impossible for us should we have been put in that position. It'll make life so much easier and it'll make things more fair. And I think the reason why a lot of us do this is because we'd have to actually look, take a good look at yourself and say, I'm not stepping up to the plate because that's the admission you're making at the end of the day, right? When you're expecting 100 from someone and you're realizing that you're giving 10, it's you saying, wow, I have these expectations of people and I myself am a fraction of that. And that's not good, which can sometimes make us feel like, well, maybe I'm not a good person, but it's not necessarily that. Sometimes we just don't pay attention and we don't see things and maybe because it has never been brought to our attention, right? But let's just really, I hope you guys had a chance to really just take a look at places where you're expecting double from people that you're barely giving half to. And I hope you guys were able to have that tough conversation with yourself and also maybe even have that tough conversation with that person because sometimes people are giving us a hundred and we're giving them 10 and we are, we are aware of the fact that we're giving them 10 and we truly don't care to give them more than that if we're being honest with ourselves, which is okay. But if you are giving somebody a 10th of what they're giving you and you like the attention you're receiving so much that you're putting them in a situation where they're not getting what they deserve, then you still need to have that tough conversation with yourself and say, yeah, this attention's nice, but this person deserves more than this. And I know that I'm unwilling to give it. And yes, I love this attention, but maybe this is a moment where I should sacrifice. I guess that's the word we'll use. I should sacrifice the attention and the benefits I'm receiving, be honest with this person in whatever capacity this is so that they now have the knowledge required to put their energy into someone who will maybe reciprocate in whatever way this is. This can be work. This can be career. This can be relationship. It's anything, you know, because there's so many ways I can, I know most of you know that you're putting in less than somebody else is giving you. So I really hope that helped you guys and gave you guys an opportunity to really just reflect and look over how you're acting and how the people around you are acting and seeing if these are mutually beneficial arrangements. (laughs) This week, we are going to be talking about self-talk. So Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Sounds powerful, sounds dramatic. To me, it sounds like the truth. And what this really boils down to is the fact that we need to watch our mouths. (laughs) Watch your mouths, friends. Watch your mouths. What we say becomes the truth. Whether you want to admit it or not, our tongues and our words breed life. And as 
the scripture says, also death. And the reason why this is, or the reason why I believe this is, is because what comes out of our mouth comes out of our minds. And what is in our minds comes from our souls and how we feel. So for something to, for us to feel an emotion and then to think it and then to finally speak it there was a process that happened on the back end before those words ever even made it out of our mouth and this is why it's so important to be mindful of what you're saying and I have seen so many people who who just say things recklessly (laughs) jokingly and for some people they say anything like they'll make jokes about death. They'll just say things that I believe are emotionally, spiritually heavy. And they'll just say it as a matter of fact. And the thing is that the energy that we're putting out there with our mouths and what we're saying and what we're believing will come back to us in one way, shape or form. Or even if you don't believe that it will come back to you, when we start to say certain things over and over and we make them casual, our spirit man starts to believe this to be true. And whatever we believe to be true will either open up every single opportunity available or it will close every single door. So that is why the power of life and death is in the tongue. So what I really want you guys to think about and ask yourselves is what is your story? So what your story is, is the internal narrative that you made up about yourself. And I have to emphasize that you made this up about yourself because it's your story. So forget what you've heard. Forget what the people have said. Forget what what that bully in grade three said about you. What Which parts of whatever has you have heard in life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the encouraging, the discouraging, the huge, the tiny, which parts of those have you decided to make true to yourself? Because it's the things that we internalize that become our story. Because I have heard every name in the book, every insult in the book, (laughs) every encouragement in the book, every lie in the book. I have heard it all, but so much of it has bounced off my shoulders because I refuse to allow those to be internalized into myself so that I now make them my story. And many of us do not even realize that the stories that we have turned into our own are just plagiarized versions of lies that people have told us in the past. We can't even separate what we truly believe we are from what some person who maybe we held on a pedestal that they didn't deserve, or maybe at the time they did deserve, but we put them on a pedestal where what they said about us became our stories. And right now we're walking around with these internal stories that are plagiarized whack versions of some lies that some person who's probably broken and doesn't even have their own good story told us. And we have internalized those as ourselves. And yes, we can talk about these stories and ask ourselves what these stories are. And some of us are really operating in broken stories and negative stories. And You would think, or maybe I would think that if you sit down and really process and ask yourself what the story is that you have created about yourself, when you realize that that story is negative, you would think that the first instinct would be to change it. But that's not always the case because sometimes these broken stories that we have internalized and made reality are benefiting us. And then the question becomes, what benefits are coming to you from your broken stories? Um, Even when you have a 
positive story, there might still be parts of it that are negative, right? Like you can think you're an amazing person, but then maybe if it comes to your physicality, you might still have a negative story that is still attached to that. So we can, our stories are multidimensional because there's parts of us, I'm sure that you are so confident about, and no one could tell you nothing about it. Whereas there's other parts of ours that we need, we need a little bit more working on. But when you are benefiting from your broken stories, that is where the problem comes from. And that is what leads us to not want to change these stories and just start to speak things that are negative from the influence of these stories that we have of ourselves. And some of the benefits that come from broken stories is one, not having to take risks. Not having to take risks means not having to deal with a lot of scary things <laughs> because risks are terrifying. I like risks. Um, maybe I get a high off of it. Maybe I'm an adrenaline junkie. I don't know what it is, but for a lot of people taking risks because they're so preoccupied with the negative the potential negative outcome, it makes it so that risks are extremely scary. So sticking to that broken story, for example, that all men cheat. Sticking to that broken story means that you do not have to meet somebody and get into a relationship where you think they're going to be loyal. And in, in the event that they cheat on you, you get heartbroken. So now you're just chilling here saying all men cheat. So if he cheats, whatever, if he doesn't, whatever, I'm not going to emotionally commit because I believe this to be true. And it's an internal story that I have applied to my life and keeping it as a buffer keeps me protected from being hurt in the future. Sometimes we benefit from our broken stories by gaining pity and pity is attention. Sometimes we love the attention that comes with our broken stories with the, I've tried everything I can and there's no way that it could possibly work. It's like I'm giving up hope, having all your friends come around, band together, buy you wine, talk to you, spend the night, buy you ice cream, laugh, watch Netflix. That is wonderful to a lot of people. That type of attention, because sometimes life gets so busy that it takes these jarring, dramatic, sometimes tragic situations to really pull everybody to the same place, right? Or to pull the attention to you. Because usually when you're doing good, you're, people are people are kind of busy trying to get to their good places as well, right? So sometimes having these broken stories leaves us in a place where we can just get the attention we want because everyone's just like, oh, look at her, look at her. And you'd think that it doesn't make sense, but it does like story time. When I was younger, I'd say maybe grade two. So like seven years old, eight, like grade two, grade three, and probably even grade four, let's not lie to ourselves. For a while, I used to wish that I would break my arm or my leg. <laughs> sounds sick, sounds sadistic. Let's not judge. I'm past that now, but I used to wish that I would break my leg. Aside from the pain, which I'm sure my young self didn't consider, it was just the attention that people would get. The fact that everybody would be around you when you got your cast and want to sign your cast and You'd get to have indoor recess and people would help you and then someone would take your lunch bag for you and you get to, especially in the winter, you didn't have to go outside and play and things were just special when everyone else was writing, especially if you broke your, your dominant hand, you didn't have to write and do work, but then you'd still get the grade because you know, it's not your fault. Some of us are operating in that right now. 
<laughs> like some of us want to stay in these broken places because people are signing our casts and feeding spoon feeding us fruit cups and juice boxes hypothetically and we don't need that but like it's lovely because sometimes like st stimuli stimuli you know when we're getting attention attention feels good that's why they say all press is good press because if your name is in the press and people are paying attention to it the euphoria of that attention you're receiving doesn't even um well it overshadows the ability for you to look at whether or not the situation is negative or positive. Another benefit that people sometimes gain from broken stories is the ability to be lazy and to stay in your comfort zone. As I said, with not having to take risks because risks are scary, work is hard. <laughs> like, And being able to say, oh, man, like, it's because somebody told me when I was a kid that I would never amount to something and there's a family history of it and no one in my family has been able to do it. Yeah, that might be the case. And facts are facts, you know? Yes, going back to the other analogy, people do cheat. This is absolutely true. People, there might be a family history of something negative and that is also a truth, but that doesn't mean that you have to take that story and that negativity and absorb it as your own. Because the moment you absorb it as your own, then you're benefiting from never having to push beyond because you've already created a story that it's not possible for anyone in your family, you included, you know? So there's a lot of ways that we benefit from our brokenness. And we need to really ask ourselves, what part of the woe is me are you enjoying? Because there has to be a part of it. And I'm not necessarily saying that it's the attention or the happiness that keeps us there. Some of us have these broken stories and they're really hard to break. I'm not sitting here and I'm never going to discredit the fact that some of the difficult self-talk that we have internalized into our, our personal stories are so, so difficult to unlearn. But there is a part of it that maybe we're basking in or that we're enjoying a little bit because to do the opposite would require a level of energy that maybe we don't have time for or would pull us away from something that we're benefit benefiting from at the moment. But we need to do better, friends. And I'm just saying this, the reason why this topic even came up is because I was just having a few different conversations with people and something that kept coming up is the fact that there are certain people who would make certain statements and soon before long, <laughs> those statements would come to pass. And lots of these statements were, were as a joke or just said so casually. But then when it happened and the reality of the, the self-talk they'd been saying to themselves actually came to pass, they were upset or disgruntled with the results. But it's like, you've been saying this, like it's a matter of fact and like it means nothing, right? So that's what happens. So I just want you guys to really just look at the way you speak and especially certain words that we use and just take a look at maybe finding a different word or a different outlook for those situations. I have a few situations that tr truthfully, I believe that once you speak in a certain way, it's going to be exactly the way you said it. The first one that I want you to consider is that you're not underqualified, you're unlearned. And what this really boils down to is perspective. Yes, I'm applying for a job. They're saying you need to know how to do A, B, and C. 
Yes, you can look at it and say, oh, I'm underqualified. And usually when we look at things and say underqualified, underqualified has this negative stigma um, connotation around it that we are unable to do what is required. So therefore, we should not even go for it. Many people don't go for things that they're underqualified for. Let's be honest with ourselves. You see that job description, you see their salary expectations, and then you start to read the epistle of things that are qualifications and you get discouraged and you walk to you walk away. But if you look at yourself as unlearned, what that does is that it shifts the narrative. I think throughout our whole lives, if you really look at it, most things we've ever done in life, we've been unqualified or underqualified, even up going all the way back to kindergarten. Technically, I guess if you were of the right age, you were qualified to be there. But the knowledge that was required, most of us didn't have it. But by the end of kindergarten, after those eight months, when you can finally count to 100 or whatever the qualifications were to move on, what changed? What changed is that you were able to learn and adapt. And when you look at a situation and you say, instead of saying I'm unqualified, you say I'm unlearned. That means that you're saying at this moment, I may not have what I have not yet learned what you guys need me to learn, but based on my ability, which is the ability to learn and adapt, which I have been showing since I was three or four years old, when I entered into school, not knowing how to do anything. And by the end, I could write some upside down, (laughs) upside down letters and recognize my name and some alphabet. It shows that we have the ability. And when you look at stuff like that, it just changes how you speak and changing how you speak then changes how you feel and it changes what you can do because you've just boosted your confidence. If I look at something and I say, Hey, this is a lot of stuff. I'm unqualified. There's discouragement. There's lack of confidence. There's a sadness that comes with that feeling and also disappointment. Whereas if I say I'm unlearned, there's a optimistic outlook saying, yes, the baseline is the same though. That's what I need to um, point out. You still don't know what it is, but now you're saying, I don't know what it is, but I know based on my track record of being able to learn and my adaptability, which has gotten me through every single stage of my life, because if I hadn't been able to adapt, I wouldn't be here because there were some tough things in the past that I thought would destroy me. But if I'm standing here, clearly they didn't. That now means I'm able to do this. So you end up with this positive outlook and that's just what it's about. You need to be open-minded and speak in a way that allows for that. You need to not be so rigid in your speaking and in the things you say. Don't be so matter of fact, especially in a positive way, because it's, it's going to slowly start to kill your morale, whether you know it or not. It's just like how, um, I always talk about being around positive people and things like that, right? If you think about poison, If you drop a drop of clean water into poison, the water's not going to influence the poison. But if you were to take poison and put it into clean water, it would literally taint the whole water. So we need to start putting things into ourselves that are positive and that breed the results and the change that we want for ourselves. If you think life is going to be too hard, it will be. This is a fact. Because every single situation that you're going through, that you look at, 
the moment something is difficult, that internal story that you have of everything being difficult is going to rear its ugly head and be like, see, told you. And what are you going to do? You're going to say, ah, you know, it's me. This is just how my life is meant to be a difficult Shakespearean tragedy (laughs) of sadness and hard times. Whereas if you look at that same situation and your internal story is, I am able to make it through whatever it is. You're going to look at that same exact same difficult situation, but instead of taking a defeatist attitude, as I said, with the whole unlearned versus underqualified um, example, you're going to take a positive, strong mentality. You're going to take an attitude of, I, I am willing to do what it takes. And what that does is it even opens up possibilities. Once you think something's failed and you've decided that it's failed, you're not going to, you're going to close your mind and eyes to any opportunity for a crack that can maybe lead to, to success because you've already determined it's going to fail. Um, if you think you don't have what it takes, you don't like, and I know this might sound a little harsh or just matter of fact, but it's, this is what it is. If you don't believe you're capable of doing something, you won't be able to do it because the moment anything that, that feeds into your story comes up, you're going to ride those coattails to that sad narrative that you've already created for yourself. Our mind is the root. And that is what you're planted in. So you need to ask yourself what you're planted in and how deep. Because what you're planted in, which is your story, which is what you believe to be true, is going to determine what grows. If the root is corrupted... Anything that grows out of it, even if you do get some good things, it's not going to be to the full potential because you haven't steeped yourself in the positivity, the nourishment, the fertilizer, the water, the good things that you need. Because many of us, if if our um, inner story is corrupt, you will get the perfect opportunity you've been waiting for and you won't be able to see it. Because on your way to seeing that opportunity, you're going to see the difficulty that you knew would come. The sadness that you know always happens. The bad things that always happen to you when good things are about to happen that always ruins it. And yes, these situations, you're not delirious. You're not hallucinating. These situations are there. But your outlook on it is going to block you from looking through all of that, working through them, pushing them away, and getting to where you need to be. And we need to get to where we need to be, friends. I know if you guys have been listening to me for... 71 episodes, 71 weeks. That's mind blowing. You know, you're here because you like what I'm talking about and you know what I'm about. You know that I'm about progress and being our best selves and developing into the highest level of ourself possible in every single way. So, and that's why I'm really honing in on a lot of internal stuff lately, because what you are on the inside is going to, is, is what's going to exude from you. If it's a lot of negativity on the inside, that's what's going to exude from you. If it's a lot of positivity, confidence, determination, that's what's going to exude from you. So I really want you guys to look at how you're speaking to yourself and ask yourself what your story is. And if that story is one that you don't like, if that story is one that you borrowed from someone, replace it. Since this is on the inside of us, we have the tools already to to do whatever it takes Those tools that made you believe in something negative, that determination and that belief that made you 
decide that something negative was the truth, that same determination that you had is the same determination that you need to rewrite those stories. You don't even need to pull anything from anywhere else. You already possess it all inside of you. It's just a matter of taking that energy and deciding where you want to redirect it to in a way that is beneficial to you. This is not about asking anyone for anything. This is, if you want to speak to someone, of course, and if you want to speak to me, shoot me an email. I'd be more than happy to have a call with you. We can discuss these things, but you have what it takes. And that's what I am really here for. I'm here for letting you guys know or reminding you guys that you guys already have what you need to do what you want in life. I'm not here trying to bring you new tools per se, but more so show you the ways that you can take the tools you already have and maybe take that hammer and use it to hammer something else (laughs) because you already have in your toolbox anyway. There's no need to go bring something else. Maybe it could be used or even using one tool in a different way that you didn't even realize it could be used or beneficial. So I really hope that helps you guys and that you really just take some time this week to really just speak some life into yourselves. And with that, I'll get right into the words to live by for this week, which are what I think it will be, it will be. And that's just it. (laughs) If you think it's going to be great, it's going to be great. If you think it's going to be sad, it's going to be sad. If you think it's going to be horrible and difficult, it's going to be horrible and difficult. Yes, of course, there's anomalies. And yes, life is not just what we wish it to be. Like, I'm not sitting here saying rainbows and butterflies and not living in reality. But a lot of what we can control, as I said, with surrender has to do with our mindset and what we believe it to be. There are things that are always going to be out of our control, unfortunately. And sometimes those things are going to happen in negative ways that are difficult for us. But when you look back over the power that you had over a situation, when you really look at that part of it, what you determine your situation to be is what it's going to be. So what I want you guys to do is just take a look at your life this week. Take a look at some things that are not necessarily going well and see how maybe your inner story or your narrative has been affecting and playing a role in that behavior. One thing I could just think of off the bat is assuming that people think and act a certain way or that they are going to think and act a certain way. This is a story we've made in ourselves that this is how this person is. Right. So sometimes what happens with that is that we end up creating a self-fulfilling prophecy, because if I believe that someone is constantly going to be difficult or argumentative, the moment I get into a disagreement with them, the first thing I'm going to do as soon as that disagreement starts is get super aggressive because I assume that they are going to be argumentative. Maybe they haven't even been argumentative yet, and maybe that aggression that I shown has now activated something in them to get to that aggressive argumentative place. And then what am I going to do? I'm going to be like, you see, all you do is argue and fight. But sometimes we're gaslighting people. (laughs) We are honestly gaslighting people with our thoughts and also propelling people to greatness with our thoughts. Because if you believe somebody is going to be, somebody's a good person, 
and you believe positive things about them, the moment that they do make a mistake, you give them the benefit of the doubt because the love and the confidence that you have already created on the inside of you towards them is going to reflect. And then that person's going to feel that confidence and then they are going to act accordingly. So let's just watch our mouths this week (laughs) and then also watch once we're watching our mouths and seeing what's coming out of it let's pay attention to those things and then get to the root to the story of exactly what is pushing us to feel the ways we feel and to act in these ways that are making our tongues and these powerful things that are our tongues speak life or speak death thank you guys so 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 much for listening If you're loving these podcasts, please like, share, and subscribe. Please leave a review. I would love to hear what you guys are thinking. Follow me on Instagram at Tokes Talks. I post clips. I post poetry. And I love to interact. So I'd really love to hear from you guys. Have an amazing week. And I'll talk to you next Wednesday. Bye.